Hi there, it's episode 140, and today we're talking about slow living and New Year's resolutions. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. today. Happy New Year. This is episode 140. And today we are, of course, talking a little bit about New Year's resolutions and slow living. My guest today is Erin Lochner. Erin is the voice behind Design for Mankind. And she's also the author of the book Chasing Slow, which I read and really enjoyed. Definitely put that on your list for this year. Erin is a beautiful writer and inspirational in so many ways. So I'm excited to get her input today about New Year's resolutions and her thoughts on the most common ones that we see. Before we get into today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. The sponsor for today is PrepDish. And of course, if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you've probably heard these ads for PrepDish before because I love PrepDish and I'm a huge supporter. Something new that they're adding for 2019 is a keto plan. Now, if you're not familiar with PrepDish, it's a meal planning service, and each week they send you a menu of meals to cook. They have a paleo option, a gluten-free option, and now a keto option. These come in three parts. So there's an ingredient list for shopping. There's a prep day list for all the work that you need to do on one day in advance of the week, and then a meal day list, which tells you how to do the last minute preparations for all the meals. If your kids have any bit of a witching hour in the evenings or if evenings are just generally a hard time because you're tired and they're tired and executing a meal just sounds impossible, PrepDish is an awesome solution. I encourage you to give it a try. Go to PrepDish.com forward slash families. Again, that's PrepDish.com forward slash families and you'll get two weeks free. We are now entering the last few days to sign up for the Simple Families Masterclass. It starts on Monday, January 7th. We're going to spend four weeks talking about simplifying a family home and four weeks talking about simplifying parenting. It's going to be pretty awesome and I would love to have you join me. So again, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash masterclass. Back to today's episode. I hope you enjoy this chat with Erin. I know that I did. If you have questions or comments or want to learn more about Erin, go to the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 140. Here's the interview. Hi, Erin. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to finally chat with you, Erin. I read your book about a year and a half ago, probably, Chasing Slow, and it has been such an inspiration for me. And I feel like I know a little bit about your life from reading that book and from following you on social media. And thank you for all the work that you've done. Oh, thank you for saying that. It's um, it's so much fun. I, I'm a writer, not a speaker, so I'm going to do my best to tell my story well. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just been – it was a lovely thing to write down, actually, to kind of meet yourself in black and white is sort of earth-shattering, I think, for everybody. Your book felt a little bit like a memoir, but also part self-help book. How would you – how do you, how do you categorize it? That's so funny. I Well, I had this meeting with my publisher as well because they were like, we don't really know where to put you. And I totally get it because it is – it's a different sort of genre. I would say memoir was what I was going for, but I also really didn't want it to feel tidy or I didn't want it to feel like I had arrived at all the answers I was looking for because I don't believe that that's possible for anybody. So so it was less memoir in that there really wasn't 
the full circle story arc that I think we're used to seeing in a lot of memoirs. Uh, at the same time, I don't know. I don't know, man. I would say I helped myself and that was pretty great. So it, we could call it self-help if that counts. Yeah, well, I think you helped a lot of people along the way because you were very clear about the fact that even though you do have a beautiful Instagram feed and a social media presence, you are clear that, you know, you don't have it all figured out. And the name itself, Chasing Slow, says that it's something that you're working towards. It's not something you haven't arrived. You haven't achieved and found out all found all the answers yet. Exactly. And, you know, I think we do a real disservice to ourselves when we when we don't address that. I don't care where people stand on the whole, whether you want to become a brand or whether you want to look perfect online or whether you want your Instagram feed to reflect reality or not. I just think it's worth considering wherever you land. It's just really important thing to sit down and think through why we're making these decisions that we're making online. And for me, I just knew the more that I heard humans should brand themselves and become, even even if that's not a perfect brand, do you know what I mean? The more that I heard that, the more I thought, I just don't think that's possible. We're not robots. We're, we're people. We're complex. If that means, I don't know, if that, I'm an Enneagram 9. Are you an Enneagram person? I'm just sort of starting to learn about it, and I'm pretty sure that I'm a 3. Oh, oh man, I love 3s. I have so many 3s in my life, but... <laughs> The the nine is simply, we just, there's so much nuance. We can hold dark and light at the same time. Like there are just, we see so many perspectives. So for me to, to try to even attempt to brand myself would, would mean just flattening the very essence of who I am and who the people around me are. And I just, I don't think it's worth that to me. So anyway, I, that was a bit of a detour, but, but thank you for saying that because it is important to me to at least consider what are we all doing this for? Right. And in your book, you talk about how you really were not looking for simplicity. It wasn't where you started. You sort of came to it in a roundabout way. And just tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to writing this book and building the career that you have. Sure. I was raised in the Midwest and the general narrative for the Midwesterner is that it's all about hard work, right? So you you just kind of grit your teeth and you grin and bear and you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you work hard through whatever comes your way. So for me, I thought that's what I needed to do to live a happy, healthy, successful life. And there are things that are not grin and bearable. Do you know what I mean? I think there are things where you have to kind of admit that this, this is going to cause pain and this is going to cause agony and this is, and that has to be okay. Also, that has to be part of life as well. So for me, that first lesson came with my husband's brain tumor. We, um, we met in college, he was 19 and he was diagnosed with a brain tumor shortly after. And we got married anyway. And he was given just 10 years to live. And we kind of thought, well, screw it. We're going to have a really good go at this. And so I think I think looking back, we tried to do things very fast, thinking that he perhaps had a shortened life. I don't know that we did that purposefully, but I think upon reflection, that's what it appears we did. So, so we moved to LA and he did the Hollywood thing. And I worked in, worked a series of really actually terrible jobs 
I kept a blog on the side. I've always had, I was always, always have been a journaler. And so does anybody, do you remember Zanga? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So Zanga was my first blog when I was like, I don't know, 17. And, um, so I just always journaled. So I kept this blog on the side and I think it was just one of those right time, right place things where I was writing a lot about interior design being in that industry at the time. And also writing a lot about um, style. For me, you know, if you want to, if you want to talk about the first catalyst to simplification, I think probably witnessing. I, I was a production assistant at a sample sale company, so we would kind of buy off the designer goods that were not selling from the racks, and then we would sell them at a really like seventy percent discount or something. So witnessing just hundreds of women kind of trample each other over these designer goods and and seeing how much of them wound up in the garbage like that was a that was one of the many light bulb moments where I thought oh this is kind of a silly thing to care that much about knowing it's gonna it's gonna be the trash in three months right like how sustainable really is this so getting front row seats to that was kind of an eye-opening thing but I think there were a lot of little kind of red flags along the way of my life where if, if again, I believe in paying attention to your life. And I think if you're paying attention, we all have those red flags where it's kind of like, wait a minute, I think I need to reassess what I, what I was taught to think growing up. So that was certainly one of them. The brain tumor was one of them. Uh, we lost our home in the market crash in LA, uh, in 2008. So we moved home to the Midwest. Um, my husband's father became ill. We moved in to be his caretakers. So so there were all of these things, right, that I could not work hard my way out of. You know what I mean? I could cope and we could get through the day. But at the, the fact of the matter was we had far less control than we thought we did over our circumstance. I think also we have far more control than we think we do over our reaction to those circumstances. But the whole work hard, work hard, work hard was, was really lovely advice in a lot of ways. And it was a really great mindset to grow up in. Um, I'm very grateful for it. And at the same time, I encountered very early on that it just, there are just, there's pain. (laughs) I think that's all there is to it. So uh, for me, my process to chasing slow and to trying to slow down my life was sort of an attempt to grapple with the fact that um, I can no longer go with the flow of life as in terms of, okay, what's the next thing? Where, what's the bigger house? What's on the horizon? Knowing that I control so little of it, knowing that I've only been given today, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So what do I really want to invest in here? And for me, that was um, simply the people around me. Right. And it can be so hard to come to grips with the fact that you don't have control over things. And sometimes we can, that can lead us to seeking that control and trying to over plan and look for it in any area of our life. Did you find that happening to you? A thousand percent. Certainly when I became a mother, uh, that was the, that was the big one for me. It was such a transition. Um, I had heard motherhood was going to be hard. I knew that to be true, but um, I don't know. I, d- I didn't anticipate the level of 
the level of doubt I would feel about whether or not I was good at it. You know what I mean? My daughter was um, colicky and she was really independent and it, it makes so much sense for her as a six-year-old now knowing her as a kid. It, it makes sense why her personality is the way she is and she's going to do so much, so many cool things in the world. But but as a baby, I thought, oh, I'm not good at this. She doesn't like me. I'm not nurturing enough. We're never going to bond. And I had to really, I had to come to terms with the fact that this, this isn't about anticipating the next move. This isn't about predicting the best outcome. This is about being here today with her and becoming a student of her and watching her and observing her and paying attention to her and paying attention to myself and learning how to love her better. And that that's what kind of my transition to motherhood looked like. So I would say having gotten a crash course in simple living and slow living prior to motherhood was great, but then I had to kind of relearn it all over again once she came along. Right. And I think so many of us, when we have kids and we become mothers, we want desperately to get everything right. And we want to be able to do everything and to be everywhere and to really, in some ways, be that perfect mom. And that's really exhausting. It is. It is. And it's the first time that that I truly realized, oh, I can't. I can't perfect this. I don't know. You know, you hear you hear that perfection doesn't exist. But at the same time, in the workforce... If you do your job really well, you can, in a sense, at least perfect your own goals for yourself. You can kind of hit those marks and hit those milestones, um, and you can achieve the things that that you have control over, right? But when you add in another person to that and you're kind of leading and learning along the way, it's just such a train wreck sometimes. Yeah, and even if perfection doesn't exist, it doesn't stop us from trying to seek it. Yeah, exactly. Or to trying to make, whether that's making ourselves, whether that's perfecting ourselves or, or trying to perfect the other person. I think, I think either way, it's super detrimental to the relationship. Yes. And I think at this time of the year with the new year, there are so many people, including probably you and I, that, you know, we're make, thinking about making changes and thinking about resolutions and things that we want to improve about ourselves. And I think part of that is natural. We see the new year as a time to restart and refresh and hit reboot. But what, how do you handle the new year? Do you find yourself making resolutions? What's your, your typical protocol around this time of the year? I don't make resolutions. I make, um, non-resolutions actually, which are just, I I generally make a list of the things that I really like about myself, the things that I think are going really well, the things I'm going to resolve to not try and change about myself, whether they're good or bad, you know what I mean? Um, Whatever good or bad means. I just, I really, here's the thing. It's, we're in the Midwest. It's cold and dark by 4 p.m., and that is not the time for me to make a change in anywhere. Like that's not the time for me to push through and try uh, to completely alter whatever it is I'm doing. Like maybe September feels more like a fresh start to me in that way. But yeah, January is not the time or the place for me to try to change anything about myself. So I generally don't. I kind of throw it out the window. That's a good point. There's a lot to be said about winter being this time for just pause and to appreciate that we don't move as much in the winter. We don't really accomplish quite as much as we do when we have that energy of spring and summer. And the energy feels very different at this time of the year. It does. It feels so much like an energy of acceptance and reflection uh, and comfort. I don't know. It's, 
it's for me, it's entirely seasonal. I just feel like it's, it's not, it's not the right time for me. It's a time of kind of deadening almost, right? Like if we're thinking vegetable gardens, like this is nothing's, nothing's growing right now and that's okay. Yeah. Especially I'm in New York. So especially here, there's nothing growing here at all. Oh, totally. <laughs> Although there wasn't really much growing in my garden, even when the weather was nice. So <laughs> that's, that's not saying too much. Um, but so I was reading a little bit about New Year's resolutions and how many people make New Year's resolutions and what the com- most common ones are. And I have a list here of the eight most common resolutions. And I'd love to pick your brain on some of them because I think that most of them or some of them are going to resonate with the people listening. And your thoughts on if you've worked towards some of these as goals or if they're things that are on your mind and any tips that you might have oh, towards yay. these sort of resolutions. Um, so the first one is to eat healthier. Okay. Uh, well, so... I tend to eat fairly healthy. I haven't always been this way, but I did a Whole30. Have you ever done a Whole30? Yeah, I've done a couple. I love it. I love them too. I love them too. It is eye-opening. Exactly. You really get to know yourself through that. Um, I did my first Whole30 right after my daughter was born. She's six now, but um, just nursing allergies and everything else. So we kind of did the illumination diet. Then I found the Whole30 and we kind of moved into there. But not we. I I hate when people say we like you're two people. But... um, yeah, so I I would say I do a whole 30 probably two times a year, sometimes three if I feel like I'm just not well. But um for me eating healthy I don't know. It's 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 such a part of my routine and rhythm. I don't feel that that it doesn't throw me off completely when I eat whatever I want to for a week. I feel like I kind of have an okay um I don't know. I feel kind of grounded in that area. And, and I think that has just come from just cooking at home all the time. I mean, I hear, I've heard from so many people that you can eat whatever you want to, as long as you cook it at home and it's going to be 90% healthier than something that you get elsewhere. So I tend to stick to that rule. Um, we sort of forage for lunch. Um, I cook a hot breakfast every morning and then dinner's kind of, I mean, it is what it is. I think, I don't know if you know this about me. I go to bed at six o'clock at night. Wow. I didn't know that. Yes. So, and I wake up at 2 a.m. And that's the way that I can get, I can get a solid hours of, I work about four hours a day. So I can work, I can do all my writing in the morning. I can do my reflection in the morning. I can, um, I can get in four solid hours with no interruptions because I'm home all day with my kids. I homeschool. So it's pretty much. It's a weird, weird routine, but all that to say, so dinner's sort of hit or miss. I sometimes feed the kids dinner or sometimes I'm already in bed. Got it. And your husband, what time do your husband and kids go to bed? I don't even know. I love that I don't even know the answer to that question. It's probably between eight and nine is my guess, but only when he's out of town do I put them to bed. I think that's kind of cool because it also gives him some time with them where it's just them. Yeah, they love it. It's it's actually a weird, really good rhythm right now. Um, We've been doing it for about two years. Yeah. Well, and you say right now, cause I feel like things like that, they always have to be open to change, right? That this yeah. might not be the way that you're living forever, but right now it's working for you. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love the whole 32. And I also love that you said forage for lunch because I've never used that word for it, but that's definitely what we do. It sounds a lot better when you say forage <laughs> rather than just go, like, go find something in the kitchen. <laughs> I know. Uh, 
but I, the, my biggest revelation with the whole 30 was sugar and how sugar is in so many prepared foods yes. and how much of a difference it makes in the way that I feel. A thousand percent. That was my big one too. Yeah. It, Cause it is in everything. It just leaks right in. Yeah. And it, it definitely takes a toll on me and I've noticed it more and more. And I found that the more I notice it, the easier it is for me to stay away from it. Yes. And I feel so much better without it. Yes. Same. And my kids too. I just, I don't want them eating. We don't keep sugar in our house. We do eat sugar when we're out though. So like if we're out, we can get ice cream, that sort of thing, but keeping it out of the house, we eat at home most of the time. And that really allows us to keep sort of this 80, 20 balance with eating at home and eating out. And yes. we do still have sugar. I'm definitely not absolute about anything. Um, but yeah, finding that balance and eating at home, I think those are wise, wise words. Same. Yeah. We, we have a similar rhythm, I think. Yeah. So what about um, resolution number two, get more exercise? Well, um, I'm a firm believer in just movement whenever, however, whatever that looks like. I'm in a former life, I guess. But So before we, we adopted our, our son, who is now two and a half, and pre-adoption, I was in a really regular yoga practice. Uh, I love yoga. I've been doing it for almost 10 years. I, I really... That's like my, I'm, I'm a slow. So like, that's my kind of thing, but it just, the timing didn't work out after we brought the baby home and we just needed some time to transition. So it, we kind of like went dark and just pulled out of a lot of different things. Um, and for me, yoga was one of those. And now I just try and get a walk in every day. Um, the fresh air is fantastic. And even when it's, I don't know, it's like 10 degrees here today, but bundling up and going for a walk and in that feels like enough right now for me. I would love to do more in a different season, but for me right now, just, just moving, uh, whether it's downward dogs in the kitchen or wall sets or jumping jacks while the tea's brewing, like just moving is, is key for me. Yeah. I try to avoid labeling myself in any way. Like I'm certainly not a runner and I'm not a yogi and, or any of these exercise labels that we place on ourselves, because I do think that I definitely lean towards different methods of movement at different points in my life. And I'm not an expert or a pro at any one shape or way, shape or form of fitness. But I agree that moving in some way, depending on what feels right for you at that time is definitely really important. Yes, I agree. Um, this sounds so weird, but I do arm circles all the time. Like if I'm starting to feel a little bit, I learned this from when I, I went to an energy therapist in LA when I was feeling kind of some anxiety and, and we were just, it was a tumultuous time in my twenties. And he was like, the power of arm circles, you will never know. They're just inherently valuable to so all of your system. You just stretch your arms out straight and start and do little circles yes, or big almost circles. Like, I don't even like, or like, like you're a bird flapping your wings. It is just, it's non-graceful. That's for sure. But it's, yeah, there's just something about it that it calms me. I feel stronger after doing them. I feel focused after doing them. I don't know. It's so if you were to walk in my room and at, I don't know, at noon and I'm doing arm circles, it looks like the funniest thing ever, but it's the truth. <laughs> I'm totally going to try it. Yeah. So do you go forward or backward or how long Both, do you do it for? Or however long and you'll feel okay. it. It kind of burns. So yeah, um, yeah, you'll feel it. And then I, I generally stop when it gets hard. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to push through, but yeah, they're awesome. 
Okay. I'm going to remember that and I'm going to try it. Um, yeah, no. And I, and I think I've been striving towards doing more fitness and I guess more in a sense of in a self-care way that I want to just dedicate some quiet time in longer amounts to myself and to taking, taking care of my body. Yes. And that feels really important to me right now, especially now that my daughter, she's two and a half also. And I feel like we're kind of getting to that point where, I mean, I'm not going to use the word independent, but she's getting a little bit older where she doesn't, I don't have to constantly worry about her hurting herself all the time yes. um, or about one of my kids hurting the other kid, that sort of thing. So it's, it, things are feeling a little bit more secure and I can step out of the room now and again. And I felt myself wanting more longer periods of time for, for exercising and moving. So I love that. Yeah. So number three is save more money. Okay. So for us, we are, uh, we've budgeted always. We're just, it's, well, I wouldn't say we've budgeted always. We just don't tend to buy a lot of things anyway. It's just not on our radar. So I would say the majority of our money goes to food. We, we always spend on food, um, meaning just quality produce, a lot of we have a lot of spices, probably too many spices. Um, and every now and then dinner out, but we're just, again, we're in a season with small children, so we don't do a ton of date nights, but, and then, and then a little bit toward experience. So I think for me, what I've never done well is being hyper-focused on budgeting in terms of like spreadsheets and here's where we can cut back and here's what we might do better. For me, it's just easier to see the big picture and ask myself, do I need this? And usually the answer is no. So it's just not a hard thing to spend money on. You know, I'm the same way. My husband is a finance guy and he definitely is one to lean towards Excel spreadsheets. And I, that just terrifies me. I think the rigidity of it, but more so how hard it would be to maintain. It's like how that's like one more thing in my life that I just can't manage and can't juggle is the numbers of all of this. So I definitely have a similar approach in that I think about the big picture and where am I spending too much on? What can I cut back on? Um, and that feels more effective and it feels more like a breath of fresh air to me to think about it in that perspective rather than getting down into the details of it. Well, and because here's the thing for me is I I don't know about you, but what, so I have friends that own a coffee shop. So when I'm buying their takeout coffee, I feel like I'm getting, um, I'm pouring into my community. I feel like I'm getting community, right? Like I get my like friendly little happy dose of my girlfriend every day. Um, I love the baristas there. I don't know. I, so I, I go in with my kids and they have somebody to talk to. I just, it's more than a cup of coffee for me. And so I know that yes, on paper, if I were to kick the caffeine habit and just, or make my coffee at home, I know I would save a lot of money, but what else would I be lacking? So, I mean, again, our food and experience, that's really all we care about. So I, I feel like Sometimes, I mean, we have to keep that in check because sometimes we can use that as justification for whatever habit we've accumulated along the years. But for me, I truly do have to think hard about, am I spending this money um, thoughtfully? And if so, then then that's then fantastic. That's worth it to me. Right. And it's not as simple as looking at the number on paper yeah. and thinking about the value of the way that you're spending the money and what is worthy and what is something that you can do without. Yes, exactly. 
So number four is focusing on self-care. Oh, man. Um, I'm not, I'm not, oh, I'm a terrible person to talk to about this. Self-care is a really loaded word for me. Um, I don't like the air mask analogy. I don't, uh, I believe that I have bought into the lie before that we have a finite amount of energy, right? Like we don't get any more energy the next day. Like, like it doesn't, and we do, we get it's like mana. We get a new, we get more energy every single morning as long as we're sleeping, I suppose. But, but so what that means is I want to have spent it. I want to have spent it the right way for me, what that looks like. So I'm not saying that I just completely avoid self-care. I mean, I, I just don't, I think it, doesn't always look the way that we think it does. So for me, what self-care looks like is um, waking up earlier in the morning so that I can get my own writing done before checking my email. Um, That feels like I'm caring for something that's going to sustain myself through the day until I get that new energy the next morning. Do you know what I mean? So it's not always... I don't know, the dark chocolate in the pantry break or the uh, hiring a sitter so that you can get away from your kids or the massage on every other Thursday or what. I don't know. I I think, and of course it looks differently for everybody, but I think a lot of the way that we view, I think sometimes we mix up self-care and pampering. Maybe that's what I'm saying. I totally agree because it sounds what you're saying is actually something that I've talked with several other guests about. And the fact that a lot of times work can be Mm self-care, like that's what I enjoy doing. And that's what fills up my cup is work because I love my job and your writing is part of your work. And those sort of things that you do just because they are part of your career doesn't mean that that isn't self-care, right? Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. And self-care isn't always, doesn't always feel caring. Like I, like I'm going to force myself to drink eight glasses of water a day. I'm not going to love it. It's not enjoyable to me, but it's caring for my body in a way that wouldn't otherwise. So I think, I think when I look at self-care holistically, it's not, it's not the like fun and games that like it's it, that we think that it is sometimes. I think it's just taking care of um, your body, mind, and soul in the best way that you can in that season. And sometimes it it's kind of just a mess. Right. And paying attention to what you need at any given moment. And maybe that is a massage and a babysitter and maybe it's not. And if it's not, it's not that you're failing to have self-care to take care of yourself because you're not getting massage and a babysitter. Maybe that's not what you need. And yeah, it's not so clear cut for every person for sure. And yeah, yeah, I think there's just so many layers. Um, It could be as simple as is picking up a memoir instead of, you know, the, the research heavy read. I, I think it, yeah, I think it depends on different things for different days call for different people. Yes. So that actually brings me to number five, which is to read more. Oh yeah. I got this one on lock. I, I'm such okay. a reader. Um, <laughs> well, I, so I am in bed by six, which means I'm generally falling asleep more like seven. Cause I always have a book. Um, I'm a memoir person, but my, I don't know. My biggest tip for reading more is just to put your book where your phone usually is and leave it open. And then you're going to just, because your reflex is probably going to be 
to check your phone or to check in on something important or to check an email or to send something, whatever. And instead, the book is open. It's right there. I'm going to read it. And then usually I just get lost in a chapter or two. The other thing is I really want to model reading for my kids. So I try to do it in front of them as much as I possibly can. And we read aloud as a family for breakfast, during breakfast and lunch. Dinner again, I don't know. It's a crapshoot. I don't know. I don't know what happens at dinner time. <laughs> but um, that's, and honestly, it just started because it was the only time that my kids wouldn't interrupt because there was food in their mouth. And so breakfast and lunch will do like a read aloud of some sort. But but I don't know. I just, I, I always carry a book. Always. I love that. That's, and I think that's such a great way to integrate reading throughout your day. We, for a while, were doing, I have a, a book of poems, of kids' poems that I was keeping by the table and we were reading poems in the morning, which I felt like was a nice short little pieces that we could read without feeling like we had to get into a full book, especially when my kids were younger. But we've gotten out of that, but it makes me want to bring the book back to, near the table just to have that handy. Because if it's right there, just like having the book next to your bedside at night and having it handy, having it in the kitchen next to the table and having it handy makes it much more likely that you're going to put it to use. Totally. Okay. Number six, make new friends. Oh, that's fun. Um, oh, this is, uh, all of these are like hour long conversations. I feel like <laughs> I think just keeping an open mind. One of my best friends is 82. Her name's Nancy. She's the coolest person I've ever met. I, and I never, I don't know, I think in a former life, I would have probably just not pursued that relationship necessarily. And, but it, it truly is as easy as going first. You know, if you see somebody that looks like they'd be interesting or they would be able to teach you something about your life or they would introduce you to something new that you've never thought of before. Um, go tell them that. Go be weird. Go say hi. Like that's okay to do. And I'm an introvert, so but I, I'm a social introvert and then I see just a ton of value in people and different perspectives and different lives. But at the same time I really would it, I would like to spend nap time with a book and myself. So I think um for me it's just a matter of of allowing myself both and befriending people that would otherwise be different than me um, and and just finding that margin of time that I have to give that we can just stop by and chit-chat. I mean, it doesn't have to be insane. Everybody's got 30 minutes a day, I think. Maybe not. Yeah, I love that because I think that for most of us, we're generally seeking friends who are similar to us, who have things in common with us. But this idea of seeking friends who are different from you and who you can learn from is fascinating and I think so valuable. It's the And it makes it so much more fun. That's the truth. It's not hard to make friends that are just like you. Uh, and actually, it's not hard to make friends that are not just like you. It's, it's not it's, – it's hard to, I think – invest and keep for me the making new friends isn't the hard part it's the transitioning new friends into your community that's the hardest part transitioning into okay now we're we're on a team together that's the hard part so um making new friends that's I think that's where it gets pretty simple yeah good okay I love that I think that's an, a wonderful way to think about it all right number seven is learn a new skill um, I'm learning to knit. 
right now. I How's it going? Uh, well, it, the package hasn't come yet. It's from, uh, okay. um, it's from my aunt. She's sending me like a little, I don't know, just the whole tutorial and everything. I'm so excited. So it's going to be uh, something I generally take a week or two off of Christmas. And so I'm going to try and uh, tackle some. I, I'm a life learner. I love to learn new things. So I think, I think just anytime you hear of something that sounds cool, why not just give it a go? Like if it's terrible, who cares? I don't know. I have a, I have a guitar that I tried to play for a hot minute. It was terrible. And, (laughs) and then I don't know, I'm going to pass it on to somebody else who can play it. It's going to be great. Yeah. So I took a knitting class in my twenties and I found that my anxiety came out in my knitting (gasps) in, in that when you're knitting, you have to keep the tension really even and anything I would knit would end up totally crooked because I would be like so tense and pulling it so tight. It was fascinating that I could literally see the tension in my body coming out in my knitting. Um, that is so fascinating for so many different reasons. I can't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to take a picture and tell you if I'm lopsided or not. <laughs> yeah, I was completely <laughs> lopsided. Same thing with crocheting. Same thing happened, and I gave up. But it makes me want to do it again because I feel like that it's such an amazing mindfulness activity. Anything that you can do with two hands and be totally focused on, you know, counting the stitches, being all in, I think it's just such a wonderful way to just be present and to focus and be mindful. Exactly. I love that. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll reconsider um, yes. a, a venture into knitting or crocheting again, if I can. Um, it's, it's, it's hard for me because it's not only that constant mindfulness of being present there, but it's also the constant need to relax my body when I'm doing it. And it really is a full mind and body experience to be able to do something like that for me. Oh, I can't wait. Good. Good luck. Definitely. It's, it's post pictures you. of your, all of your beautiful creations. <laughs> Hopefully not lopsided. <laughs> okay. Number eight, get a new job. Get a new job. Oh, okay. Mm, I don't know. I am. Uh, well, and this is so funny because I am, wait, when is this podcast going live? The beginning of January. <gasps> I will have, hopefully, fingers crossed, just launched a new project. This is so cool. How uh, exciting. It is a, it's an online homeschooling co-op for the early years. So oh, um, cool. your kids would can totally join. Um, it's, yeah. it's for parents, but it's for, you know, kids under the age of seven. And it's not necessarily just for homeschooling parents. Um, it's not even just for homeschooling mothers. It's just, I want to find a way to bridge that gap between, I don't know. I, I feel like, and I'm in the homeschooling world. I don't know. Um, I don't know what it's like for other people, but for me, there were two schools of thought with homeschooling. There was like the classical model where you're trying to kind of recreate the classroom, but you're at home and everything is really, really structured. And then there's the sort of like free reign, whatever kind of unschooling movement. Um, And I'm really somewhere in between. I need a routine, but I need rhythm in it. I need some structure, but I really want freedom. And I just didn't find a lot of the conversation leaning toward that. So I feel like, you know, we do what we always do in that if you like see a gap, then you try to create it for yourself selfishly, right? I'm trying to solve my own problem here. But um, so there's going to be, it's it's just a really loose, there's five, um, things that you can do with your kids every week. They're really easy stuff that you would be doing anyway. It doesn't require a ton of resources. Um, You just sign up, give your kids age, and 
you get these like age appropriate lessons or prompts. And and I'm, when I say easy, I mean seriously. Like it's under there's ten different categories. Under the relational category, it's something as easy as host a staring contest with your kids because that eye contact is so important to them, and they're never getting it right because we're in the dishes or we're knitting. <laughs> but, right. Um, yeah. So just you get really simple lessons about ways to connect with your kids, ways to make your day a little more meaningful or to supplement whatever education they're doing now. Um, both of my parents were public school teachers, so I just feel like curriculum is kind of in our blood, but I'm just, I'm so excited. So I guess that went So what is it called? Head. Can you tell it's us what it's called? It's called Other Goose. Other Goose. Uh-huh. So it'll Ooh, I love it. Othergoose.com. I'll probably launch the Instagram in the coming weeks, but yeah, it'll just be a membership model. So you can just um, come on in and get all of the prompts. And I'm, I'm just really excited. I've never done anything like that before, but I'm a big, I guess to, to bring it back, um, I didn't expect to go on a tangent, but I think to bring it back, I'm a big believer in pivoting. So I don't know that it's, it's a new job that we all need necessarily as much as, as a new interest or a new, um, pursuit. Exactly. That's the perfect word that I was looking for. Just whatever sparks your interest. I think we can really pigeonhole ourselves so much. And, um, and that can, I don't know. I I think that can really be detrimental to our growth as people. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of pivoting into whatever I'm into now. And for me in this season, that's trying to teach the littles. Cool. Well, I'm so excited to learn more about that. And I hope that we can talk more and I'd love to share that with my audience because I know there's a lot of parents that would love that. Yay. Yes. Well, anyone is welcome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this, Erin. This has been so much fun chatting. Thank you so, so much. I love just um, getting to be one-on-one with you. And um, now I just, now I'm excited for January. Can't wait. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to leave questions or comments, you can put those in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 140. And there I will leave links to get in touch with Erin as well and a link for her book. Make sure that you grab your spot in the masterclass. Go to simplefamilies.com forward slash masterclass. I'll be excited to see you there. Thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate your support and I will talk with you soon.